We turn in again in God's Word to the book of Galatians and again to the sixth chapter, Galatians chapter 6. This morning we will read verses 1 through 10 and our message will center on verses 9 and 10 as we continue to make our way through the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 6, a reminder first of all of things that we have spoken of and messages that we have brought, but then also uh, those two verses for this morning. Brothers, if anyone <clears throat> is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if anyone thinks he is something, when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one test his own work, and then his reason to boast will be in himself alone, and not in his neighbor. For each will have to bear his own load. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows in the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Thus far the reading of God's word. Once again, bow in prayer. Almighty God and Heavenly Father, we pray now for peace in your Holy Spirit to fill Pastor Bob and bless the words you would have him to speak. I also pray that you would give us ears that hear and understand and hearts that will grow ever brighter and more thankful to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Look at these two verses this morning under three main headings. First of all, that there is a continuation that Paul is expecting of us as believers. Secondly, there is a reminder here of that which Paul has been dealing with, particularly in this sixth chapter. So first, a continuation. Secondly, a reminder. Thirdly, a responsibility that falls upon us, and perhaps we might want to note a distinct responsibility that falls upon us as we close our message this morning as well. So a continuation, a reminder, and a responsibility. What is the continuation? Well, it's the good that Paul speaks of in verse 9, and let us not grow weary of doing good. Before we can talk about the weariness, we have to talk about what it means that Paul says, what is it we're not supposed to become weary of? 
Paul says we're not supposed to become weary of doing good. Some versions actually begin verse 9 with the word but. In other words, I've been telling you about something. I've been telling you about the work in the Spirit. But don't become weary of doing that good. The actual word that Paul uses here carries with it the, the idea of that which is beautiful, that which is lovely, that which is pure. Don't become weary in doing that which is the beautiful thing, the lovely thing, the pure thing. Well, what does Paul mean by that? He means by that the sowing of the Spirit. Don't become weary of that work, of that work of helping, that work of encouraging, that work of instructing others in the gospel, that which Paul has been dealing with here. We go all the way back into the fifth chapter and Paul has set up for us this, this contrast between our flesh, which is always at war with us, always rising up, and the spirit. And the spirit has its own way of living, its own life, as it were. And that our lives are to be marked by, by keeping in step with the spirit. We're to be walking with the spirit. In our evening messages over the course of the last month, we've, we've been delving into that. Well, where, how does the Spirit walk? The Spirit walks according to Scripture. The Spirit walks according to prayer. And as our brother so beautifully and faithfully and thankfully stepped in last Sunday night and, and addressed the whole idea of the Spirit desires for us to meditate. There, there is a life by which we are to live out the work of the Holy Spirit within our hearts, within our lives. The Spirit guides us. The Spirit directs us by the means I have just mentioned. But He directs us into a life that is beautiful. A life that is lovely. A life that is pure. A life that God would say is good. See, we use the word good in a, in a relative sense. We, we almost use the word good in a diminished sense. If something is good, we tend to think it's not the best. But you see, God never uses the word good in a diminished way. And God saw the light, and it was good. You think God thought, you know, that light just isn't all it could be. That light could be a lot better. Well, I don't know what I was doing creating light that's like that. that that's just good. Oh, I, I should have made great light. No, when God uses the word good, it has a moral sense to it. Holy, pure, perfect. God saw the light that it was good. It was exactly the light that God desired to create. That same sense now comes here. Let us not grow weary of doing good. It's not like there are excellent things above the good. It's not like there's better things than the good things that the Spirit would have us do. The good is indeed the best. 
that we are to be doing. The beautiful, the lovely, sowing the Spirit, living the life of the Spirit, demonstrating and showing forth the fruit of the Spirit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. That, that we are supposed to be showing forth these things. That's what is beautiful. Don't become weary in doing that which is the good. The spirit life. Secondly then, Paul is saying to us, let us not become weary in that. Let us not give up in that. Let us not quit that. But we are to be making continual, ongoing effort towards that end. You know, it is so easy for us as human beings to quit. I read somewhere, and maybe others of you came across this as well, but the first day of February is a pretty important day. And it's the reason it's an important day is because those of you who have gym memberships can finally go back to the gym and there aren't all those people there anymore. Because they all quit. They did it for a month, and then they quit. We are good at quitting. It is part of the flesh. Our flesh are quitters. We stop. We end. We don't pray. We don't continue to read our scriptures. We don't continue to love. We don't continue to exemplify joy and peace. We quit. Paul is saying here, let us not become weary. Let us not quit in doing that which is good. We are so prone to quit, especially when results or change is slow. When we see no immediate reward, we tend to quit. Well, I dieted for a day, didn't lose a pound, I'm quitting my diet. It's the way we are as human beings. The problem is, oftentimes that translates into our spiritual lives as well. We grow weary of doing that which is good. So Paul has to come with this continuation and say, no, you need to not grow weary of doing that which is good. You need to keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it, keep at it. Turn to, keep your finger at Galatians 6, turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews 12, I'll begin at the first verse. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Run with endurance, not giving up, not quitting. Added part to the sermon. Yesterday afternoon, uh, the, the infinity group went to, to uh, Cannonsburg to do some tubing. 
while we're there, they're running mountain bike races in the snow. Seven laps. By the time the first laps were done and the people were coming across, guys with beards, they were frozen solid. Huffing and puffing and they got six more laps to go. And they did it. To run with endurance. To not grow weary. To not quit. Could watch from time to time. There would be people falling, going down. Okay, slipping on a icy embankment. Sometimes the hills were so steep and the, the ice was so uh, thick that uh, the announcer was saying they're getting off their bikes and they're running up the hill. Endurance. Endurance. But listen to what happened. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him. See, now it's Think of Christ. Think of Christ who endured. What did he endure? He endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Put before yourself Christ. He doesn't quit. He finished the race. He endured the cross. Paul goes on to say, and the endurance that we're called for is nothing in comparison to that of Christ, is it? Don't become weary. You know, we, we, we can become weary because, well, you know, there's so many other responsibilities. I don't have time to sow the Spirit. We become weary because, well, you know, my body hurts. I'm in pain. I, I, I can't do this. Oh, I'm just old, you know. Old people, you know, they, they don't have to do anything anymore. That's not required. They did their stuff before. Do not become weary in doing good. Don't give up. Don't become easily distracted, young people. From that which is your calling, that which is placed upon you. So many other things can easily come in and gravitate into our lives. That we become focused on them rather than the doing good. But it is that that we are called to not become weary of doing. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. Find that for a moment. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3. Paul writing to a church that we learned this past Thursday, had to deal with a lot of persecution, a lot of difficulties, a lot of false information, a lot of fake news was given to us. News that, that caused a lot of spiritual heartache and concern. 
3, verse 13. As for you, brothers, do not grow weary in doing good. See, regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, the gospel, the scriptures call us to be people who do not grow weary of doing the beautiful, of doing the sowing of the Spirit, of doing the living out, the Spirit life that we're called to in the Word. So let's go back to Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And let us not grow weary of doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. There's one other thing under this first point that I want to call your attention to, and that's this great encouragement. You say, what's, what's the great encouragement? The great encouragement as I read this text is the pronouns. Let us, let us not grow weary. You know, Paul has, has been through the ringer with this church in Galatians. We've been through some pretty hard and difficult texts. Paul is mystified by by how these, these Christians can so easily abandon the truth of justification by faith and go back to works. He he's struggling with, with the fact that this church seems to have lost its bearings. And it would be easy for Paul at this point to lecture. Now you need to. You need to. I, you see him already doing that. But you see, Paul can't do that. Why? Because Paul struggles with his man of the flesh just as you and I do. Let us not grow weary. Why the us? Because Paul knows how wearying the work of the Spirit is. The book testifies to the weariness. Let us not give up. For we shall reap. See, Paul includes himself right in this. He's no different than these people of the church of Galatians is. See, there is no distinction amongst us here. We all are tempted to grow weary of doing the beautiful. Even apostles are tempted to grow weary. So don't look at that as being, oh, I'm a horrible Christian. I'm a, a, oh, this is just, no. Keep your eyes on Christ. Don't put your eyes on Paul. Don't put your eyes on another Christian here upon earth. Put your eyes upon Christ. For we all struggle the same with this. There's the continuation. Secondly, there is the reminder. This whole section, Paul has not really changed topics, has he? You say, what do you mean? Well, he's still dealing with the principle. The principle of sowing and reaping. That which you sow is that which you are going to reap. 
Now, he's looked at that in a, in a different context in verses 6 right, and 7. He's dealt with it in terms of sharing with those who have given to you and the responsibility there. Verse 8, Paul has, has looked at it in the larger context spiritually of saying if we're sowing the flesh, we're going to reap corruption. But if we're sowing the Spirit, we reap eternal life. Now, Paul continues that theme. That which you sow is that which you're going to reap. See that there in verse 9. For in due season, we will reap if we do not give up. So the principle is still there. But what Paul is calling for here is patience. Patience. In due season. If you go to 1 Timothy 6.15 or just make the note of it. There's a, a line there in, in that Paul writes to Timothy at the proper time. Paul has included that idea earlier in Galatians in the coming of Christ being born of a woman. It's at the right time. See, this principle of sowing and reaping carries with it the understanding that we must be patient. Because you have to think he, of the illustration he's using. He's using the illustration of sowing and reaping for a reason. You never sow and immediately reap. No farmer plants his corn day one and then is sitting out in the field on day two going, where is this stuff? How come it's not up yet? No gardener goes to their garden and plants some zucchini seeds in a hill, waters it, and then steps back and says, Okay, zucchini, you should be here by now. Sowing and reaping involves patience. And it involves the idea of waiting for the right time. And you know that, don't you, if you have had a garden? You know that if you farm, you know that yet you have to be careful that you don't harvest too soon. On the other hand, you have to be careful you don't harvest too late. If you grow sweet corn in your, your garden, if you harvest too early, it's like got no flavor. If you harvest too late, it's so hard you can't get through it. At the right time. The principle of sowing and reaping is not our timetable. We don't get to dictate it. Any more than the farmer or the gardener gets to dictate when that crop will be right to harvest. God determines that. And it takes patience on our part. It takes waiting. We are simply called to be faithful in the doing good. We are simply called to be faithful in the sowing of the Spirit in individuals' lives. That when we show forth love, we are sowing the Spirit. When we show patience, we are sowing the Spirit. 
when we bring the message of the gospel, we are sowing the Spirit. We are called to be faithful in those acts that are beautiful. And then to be patient and wait for the harvest. If we do not give up, the end of verse 9. What does Paul mean by that? Well, don't, don't go too theological on this one. Don't, don't try to go, oh, does this mean there isn't perseverance of the saints? Does this mean you can give up? No, what Paul is simply saying is you need to persevere and wait with patience for the reaping. Let me give you this illustration. Let's go back to gardening, okay? Because someday, this Lord willing, the snow will be gone, and we'll be in our gardens, and we'll be rototilling, and we'll be planting, okay? So, so let's just say it's the middle of May, and we finally got in our garden, and we're, we're planting, and we plant a, a row of, of nice yellow beans, okay? We, we plant. We know it's not going to come up tomorrow. We, we know that. And, and so we're patient. We wait. We wait. Because, you know, you pick those yellow beans and you, you know, put them in butter. Oh, man, it's a little salt. Oh, you, you, you're just waiting for the reaping. So then you, get, you go out in a week, week and a half, maybe two weeks, and yep, here come the plants. You go, yep, but I got to be patient. Got to wait. Then, then those plants grow and they, they become those more like bushes. And we go out the third week and we look and we go, no beans. Ha, I'm going to throw away this whole row of beans. Going to pull them all up by the roots, throw them away. Are we ever going to reap if we give up? And the answer is, well, of course you won't reap. You pulled up the plants. You got rid of the plants. You're not going to reap anything because of the damage you just did. My friends, how often isn't it that we're busy sowing the Spirit, being patient, waiting for the reward, knowing that God in His own time but then we give up. What does that mean? We fall back into the flesh. And we start ripping out plants. We let our anger get the best of us. We grow impatient. Here we've been working with an individual, perhaps trying to, to sow the seeds of the Spirit. But you know, there's one day we just sit down with them and they just don't get it, and we're so mad. We throw the Bible at them and say, I'm tired of this. You're never going to get this. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you think you're ever going to reap? When you rip the bean plants up by the root. See, that's what Paul means. Don't give up. If we give up, in this sowing of the Spirit, we shall not reap. Paul's not dealing with, with, with eternal life here. He's dealing with 
with reaping the fruit of the Spirit. He's dealing with, with the reaping in, in terms of, of our life as we live them, the results that, that, that will come if we are patient and do not give up. God makes all things beautiful in His time. But we've got to be willing to let it be His time and not ours. The damage we can do when we either give up or we don't exercise the patience we need to in the doing of the good may lead to the fact that we shall never see the reaping. That's why Paul says, don't become weary. Don't give up on doing that which is good. A continuation, a reminder. Thirdly, verse 10, a responsibility. So then, Okay, now you see, now he's putting it down. So what is the responsibility? So then as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Let me point out three things in regards to this third point of responsibility. One, there is great need. We live in a fallen world where everything around us has in one way been affected by sin. The creation itself, the trees, the water, even the water we drink from our wells. You live in the Rockford area. You understand, you would understand, would you not, that we live in a fallen world. Most of us, even in this community, around here, have these little systems in our basement called a water softener. Why? Because the water we're taking out of the ground is horrible. That's the effect of sin. God didn't put horrible water in the earth. Sin does that. But you see, it's, it's not just the trees, it's not just the plants, it's not just the water. It's all of mankind is affected by it. We see the great need all around us. Hungry, starving people. People who have been affected by diseases in the most horrific ways. People who have been affected by scam artists have had life savings taken from them. There's sin everywhere. And we live in a world that is affected by sin. Therefore, there is indeed a great need in this world. Whether it's China, whether it's Haiti, whether it's Puerto Rico or Texas, whether it's South Division, whether it's Arthur Street. We live in a world of great need, meaning there is great opportunity. Think about this. If we lived in a perfect world, 
but there was one, one spot in Inner Mongolia, one, one little square about the size of our Trinity hymnals. And, and on that one square, we saw some effects by, of sin. Now tell me, how many of us would have an opportunity to, to affect the, that one little rectangle in Inner Mongolia? We'd say, I don't have an opportunity to do that. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone. We live in a world, in a society, even in a community in which there are limitless opportunities to what? To do the beautiful. To do the spirit life. To do the sowing of the spirit in people's lives, in people's hearts. Opportunities that are never to be limited by race, by nationality, by economics, by gender, or by social status. To everyone. Paul didn't say to some people that you get to hand pick. Do good to everyone. As you have opportunity. As those opportunities present themselves to you, do not become weary in doing the good. But then comes that little distinction, that little extra, that reminder, and especially, and especially, To who? To those who belong to the household of faith. What's Paul thinking? What does Paul mean? You ought to be doing good as you have the opportunity, especially to those of the household of faith. He's thinking of Galatians' first church. He's thinking of their church. Remember, John is the one who says, if you can't love your brother who you can see, how can you love your brother who you can't see? This responsibility of doing good of using our spirit-given gifts, of living the spirit-filled life, is to be done especially here. Here is the first responsibility. This is where we are called to do good to everyone, especially here. There's no other way to understand this text. Now, you know, we may say, well, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it's more important I do something, you know, off in Guam. 
No, that's not what Paul said. Now, Paul didn't say you can't do something in Guam. Paul didn't say you can't do something in Colombia. Paul didn't say you can't do something in China. Paul didn't say you can't do something in India. He just said there is a special responsibility you have to be exercising that which is beautiful in the household of faith. Your household of faith. Your church. See, so you, you, can, you can begin to draw some kind of circles around that. Where is my, I am especially called to exercise this spirit-filled life? Here at Little Farm. Within my denomination. Within the Reformed faith. Because these are my closest family members. Then to other believers outside of that. And then to the world. These become that which I have to think about. So when a request comes across our, uh, our mail that, you know, I, I, you know there, there's some orphans in India. I don't have a clue who they are. I don't have a clue what organization they are a part of. Should I give to that? Well, let me stop to think. Am I doing good, first of all, where I am called to be doing good? Yes, especially. Okay, then I, then I can begin. Am I doing something here? Am I doing something? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Do I now have an opportunity to, the, to affect an orphan's life in India? Yes, I do. Okay. But that's not to be my priority. It's to begin here. Now, you see, the principle of sowing and reaping is this. When we do that which God commands, he supplies to do all the rest. When we don't do what God commands, he does not supply us to do the rest. That's the principle of sowing and reaping. What a man sows, that will he reap. If I sow, especially showing forth, living out the spirit life that I am called to live here in this household of faith, then God will bless that which I do outside of here as well. But if I'm only doing it out there, I can expect no blessing. From God. See, this was a church in Galatia that had turned on itself. They're biting, they're devouring one another. Paul is saying, brothers and sisters in Christ, as those who understand grace, as those who understand true justification by faith, who understand the work of the Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. Do good. Do good to everyone, but especially there in the church of Galatia. Especially there. And so may God bless 
our sowing and our reaping. Amen? Amen. Father, thank you. The beautiful reminder of, of grace that Paul includes here in that he himself is a part of, of these verses. And the call and responsibility that is upon each one of us as a believer in Jesus Christ to live out the beautiful spirit life. Father, may we not grow weary and may we not give up, but may we sow, looking forward in due season at your time to the reaping of that spirit life sown and invested in the lives of individuals here at Little Farm, in our Orthodox Presbyterian Church, amongst our brothers and sisters of the Reformed faith, amongst our brothers and sisters in Christ around this world, and even in this world. May we see sowing and look forward to the reaping. In Christ's name, God's people say, Amen.